0: My name is Pastor Mike Landsman, and this is the podcast for Zionstone United Church of Christ. This podcast is taken from my weekly Sunday morning sermons. I pray that as you listen to them, they will be a blessing to you and strengthen you in your walk with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here's what we have for today. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Thank you, brothers and sisters, so much for your prayers for me and my wife and our family and your ongoing prayers for us and for our family as we uh, navigate uh, Shantae's father's uh, illness. Um, Continue to please lift him up in prayer. I was blessed to listen to Mark's sermon from last week. It was wonderful. I'm always glad when he's able to step into the pulpit and preach for me when I'm away. I always trust that God uses him to I bring a word that we may need to hear, um, even when we don't know we might need to hear it. And what I'm going to preach today in some ways is actually going to kind of build from what he preached on last week when he talked about uh, Psalm 120, and he talked about how we are sojourners in this life, how we are ultimately citizens of the kingdom of God, and how culture In which we find ourselves, how it lies to us and tries to take our gaze, our hearts, our minds, our attention away from God and his word and his church and his gospel. In many ways, this morning's sermon will continue to build off of that as we pay attention particularly to the reading from St. Paul's epistle to the Ephesians as we see how we can shed the lies of our culture and turn to Christ. The passage from Philippians begins with some instructions, some that seem easier said than done. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. So he tells us right off the bat in this reading, Rejoice in the Lord always. And just in case his hearers and we didn't get it, again, I will say rejoice. What does this mean? How does one always rejoice? The other day, my car broke down and almost left me stranded. I tell you what popped into my mind first. It wasn't in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. The thing that popped into my mind first was an explet- expletive. But I had a priest and a Presbyterian pastor with me. So I kept my mouth shut. Am I supposed to rejoice in that? How am I supposed to rejoice when family members are falling ill? My father died in August, and my wife's father is struggling with an illness. How are we supposed to rejoice in that? Are Christians supposed to deny reality? Much of Christian theology nowadays, or what passes for Christian theology, seems to suggest that we do that. Many years ago, I watched a movie. There was a side character in it who said something along the lines of, In order to be successful, one must portray an image of success. In other words, fake it till you make it, or something like that. And portraying an image, that's actually one of the flaws of our culture, one of the deep faults within it. That everything in our culture is designed to help us portray an image of ourselves that might be a denial of what's really going on. Rejoicing in the Lord is not that. It's not pretending to be happy when life is falling apart. I'm going to say that one more time. Rejoicing in the Lord is not pretending to be happy when life is falling apart. It's not being happy all the time. Rejoicing in the Lord is something we do regardless of if our life is falling apart or not falling apart. One of the greatest of the church fathers, St. John Chrysostom, said, These are the words of one who brings comfort, as, for example, he who is in God rejoices always. Though he be afflicted, whatever he may suffer, such a man always rejoices. And he didn't just say this, this was something that he lived. He was exiled. He was a bishop in the city of Constantinople. And he was exiled from the city. And he went out on a very long journey. Trying to get back. And ultimately, on the way, he passed away. And he was very sick. And as he was getting sicker and sicker, he couldn't travel. And as he lay dying, his last words were this. Glory to God for all things. Glory to God for all things. That is rejoicing in the Lord, even in the face of death. Why? Well, one of the great blessings of our faith is that we can rejoice in the Lord when times are good and when times are bad. Rejoice in what? We can rejoice that we are Christ's, we can rejoice if we're persecuted for Him. We can rejoice because no matter how good or or, or how bad things may get in our lives, our lives are, as St. Paul said, hidden with Christ in God. We can rejoice that Christ loves us, that he is with us even when we don't feel like it. St. Paul says here in Philippians, the Lord is at hand. We can rejoice in that, right, that the Lord is at hand. He is always at hand, not just in the sense of his return, his parousia, but he is always at hand to be with us, to strengthen us. St. Paul then says, do not be anxious for anything. Again, easier said than done, right? Easier said than done. Be anxious for nothing. Once again, we are not trying to white knuckle our way to an anxiety free life. We're not trying to do things and say things that portray an image of being anxiety free. We see the after effects of anxiety all through our culture. Social media influencers committing suicide because of anxiety. Anxiety runs rampant through our culture and it has severe influences and the young especially have suffered from it. And anxiety has been amplified through our devices like our smartphones so much so that smartphone usage is driving the current cultural madness we see expressed through things like transgenderism. Anxiety is a very real threat And the answer to it is not, don't feel it. Try telling that to someone who's having an anxiety attack. Hey, just relax. That always works. And this is not a cure-all, brothers and sisters. But the way through anxiety, not the way we avoid anxiety, but the way through anxiety is through prayer and supplication. We can come in prayer to the Lord and we are told that when we do, we will be given something. Peace. That peace in the middle of anxiety. That peace in the midst of things going well or when things are going wrong. The peace that helps us rejoice in the Lord. That we are His and that He has us in His hands. See, we don't get as Christians a get out of jail free card from the stress and the pressures of this life. We sometimes think that we do. And this is because I like to, what I like to call the oprification and the Ostinification of American religion. Just stay positive, smile, say the right thing, do the right thing, and watch how everything will just work out for you. And this is, <laughs> This is in my mind, brothers and sisters, because a friend of mine sent me and another friend something called an a, a encouragement cube, which is actually a cube of, of sayings and sermons and, and reflections uh, from, uh, from Osteen. And we play them and listen to them from time to time and talk about them. Some of the things that they say that are good and some of the things that are say that are bad, it's mostly bad. But that's in my mind, right? Because of this. Our culture is looking for a religion. It's looking for solace. It's looking for encouragement. But it seeks to use the tools of technology in order to meet the deepest needs of the human, need, of the human person, which can only be met here and here. A peace that surpasses understanding It's not the absence of conflict, it's not the absence of strife, but it's a peace that can be found and experienced even in the midst of strife and conflict. And this is the peace that I ask the Lord to bless you with at the end of every service we have here at the church. May the peace of God which passes all understanding, that's from the reading, keep your hearts and minds in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, and may the blessings of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, remain with you and be with you always. That's not the end of the service, please stay for a little while still, but that's what I pray over you at the end of every service, that this peace will be with you, that it will remain with you and it will go with you and strengthen you even in the midst of whatever circumstance that you're facing. How do we then deal with these anxieties? How do we experience the peace that passes all understanding? And St. Paul says this, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there be any excellence, if there be anything praiseworthy, think on these things. In Colossians 3, 2-3, he also says, Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ and God. Notice this, brothers and sisters, the power of that verse. Whatever is true. Honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable. If there's any excellence or praiseworthy thing, think about these things. This one verse could stand in complete opposition to everything our culture tells us. Our culture doesn't believe in anything that is true. Our culture says, what's true for me may not be true for you, so you can just go live your own truth. I'll live my own truth. There is no your truth and my truth. There is truth, and that truth is embodied in Christ. Whatever is honorable Our culture doesn't believe in that. We wanna tear down everything. Whatever is just. We don't even know what justice is anymore. We talk about social justice, but we take it in directions that have the complete opposite meaning of what the word justice is. Whatever is pure. Our culture attacks purity at every level. Not just sexual purity, but moral purity. Purity in all forms is debased, it's mocked, it's made fun of. Whatever is lovely. We're a culture that doesn't believe in beauty anymore. Beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Beauty only exists in the mind of the person that's looking at a piece of art or something. But beauty transcends our own personal subjective points of view about what beauty is. Beauty is found in Christ. Whatever is commendable, Our culture doesn't believe in anything commendable. In fact, our culture celebrates and exalts people who live uncommendable lives. I mean, at least Charles Barkley back in the day had the courage to get up and say, I should not be your role model. Your parents should be your role model. If there's anything excellent, anything praiseworthy, praiseworthy, think on these things. We are to actively set our minds upon what is good, what is beautiful, and what is true. Everything in our culture is directed at stealing our attention and focusing it upon consumption. Think about it, as great as inventions like iPads and tablets are, I have one, they're great. At the end of the day, all they are really are consumption devices we use so we don't drain the battery out of our phones. Devices have so changed our society that I dare you to look around at a restaurant next time you go and see how many people are interacting. I've done the same thing. I'm, I'm preaching to myself here. Devices have changed our attention spans. Because everything is designed to activate dopamine centers of our brain, to stimulate our brain. As a result, many of us need to take our phones, We need to take our tablets and we need to put them down and we need to pick up a Bible, we need to pick up a prayer book and spend time receiving and thinking about and ingesting what is truly pure and lovely and commendable and just and praiseworthy. One thing that Mark does so well when he preaches is he asks questions of people, so I'm going to steal his tactic today. What are you watching? or doing that isn't pure? What are you watching or doing that isn't commendable? What are you participating in that isn't praiseworthy? What are you gazing upon that is not lovely? Because brothers and sisters, that which we set our gaze upon is what we turn our hearts towards. Which is why we are to direct our gaze towards Christ. What are we setting our minds on continually that are not lovely? And it's not enough just to set our minds actively on what is pure, commendable, commendable, honorable, just, and lovely. He then goes on to say, what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. In other words, we are told to do something. We have to practice, we have to live out the gifts that we have been given by God. What we have learned and received, we have learned and received from hearing God's word proclaimed, hearing God's word read, hearing God's word preached, and partaking of the sacramental life in Christ. And the great example is laid out by our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, as lived out through writers of Scripture like St. Paul and the apostles and the great saints of the church is the example that we are to emulate ourselves. Their works have to become our works. Because their works are grounded in the salvific work of our Savior. And if we do this then, brothers and sisters, then St. Paul's words to the Philippians will ring true to us as it did for them. And the God of peace will be with you. And then he says, he talks about contentment, being content in all things. That as we do this, this contentment that we receive, that we can live in, will help us in the middle of anxiety. It'll help us in the midst of of when things are hard. It will help us to rejoice in the Lord. It will strengthen us. When he says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, he's not talking about if I say this verse, I'll be able to kick a football through a goal or run a little bit extra faster than everybody else when I'm on track. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's not what that verse is about. That verse is about how to find contentment in every single situation we find ourselves in. Because at the end of the day, what we have that matters the most, what we have that has eternal value, not temporal value, what we have will outlast everything this world can give, all of the riches this world can bestow, and any reward that we can receive. We have Christ. And his life is given to us. And so to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Be all glory together with his Father who is from everlasting. And is all holy good and life creating spirit. And may his peace and contentment be ours. And something we receive. Not just sitting here listening to it. But something we live out and walk in. All the days of our lives. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Sermon Podcast for Zion Stone Church. I'm Rev. Mike Lantman, and I'd like to extend to you an invitation, if you're ever in our area, to please worship with us Sunday mornings at 1015. If you'd like to get a hold of me, or would like some information about the church, or just have some questions, feel free to reach out to us on our Facebook page or via email. Thanks for listening, and may God bless you.